Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. If last week was about the nuts and bolts of the Big Book, then I guess we could say that this week it's about the meat and potatoes of the Big Book. The Big Book is a textbook. It's a study guide and it's a pathway to sobriety. So it really is kind of the meat and potatoes of our program that tells us how to learn to become sober. So if you think about it, in today's episode we'll have a couple of great examples, so I'm not going to go too deep. If you wanted to learn how to become a surgeon, you don't get to walk into the OR and just start cutting. You have to go to school. You have to learn. You have to study under someone as a resident, and then you get to earn the right to go ahead and work at a hospital. Sobriety can be kind of like that, with a few caveats. All right, so think about the studying is learning the big book. Think about residency is working with your sponsor, and you can pick your own home group. You don't have to apply to any of them. There's no membership fees. So with that, let's go ahead and hear this week's episode of Joe and Charlie. Many of us have an aversion to the word textbook because we remember them from school days. Many of us didn't like them then. Many of us don't like them now. Textbook, we remember those things as we had to sit, we had to read, we had to study, we had to take tests, we had to do the things we didn't like to do. But if we look at a textbook in its simplest form, it's nothing more than a method the transferring information from the mind of one human being through the written word to the mind of another human being, thereby increasing the knowledge of the user of the book. That's all a textbook is for. And by the way, that's all teaching is. People say today in AA you can't teach. Well, I don't know why you can't. Teaching is nothing more than transference of information from one mind to another increasing the knowledge of the person that's being taught. We all teach something to somebody every day. We're all being taught something by somebody every day. It's a natural function. A textbook is nothing more than a tool used in the transference of this information. A textbook usually assumes that the reader of the book will know very little about the subject matter almost always begins at a very simple level. And then as the knowledge of the reader increases, the material presented becomes more difficult chapter by chapter. For instance, let's take a textbook on mathematics. And let's say my friend Joe here knows nothing at all about mathematics. He can't add, he can't subtract, he can't do any of those things. Oh, he can count. Uh, In fact, he could probably count to 21 if he's standing there naked and got everything where it ought to be. He could probably do that. Twenty and a half, actually. (laughs) And I I walk up to Joe and I say, I've got a textbook here on mathematics and I want you to go to chapter five and work those problems dealing with algebra. Well, being a good fellow, he'd go to chapter five, but remember, he can't even add and subtract. All he sees is a bunch of marks on paper. If I would say, Joe, this textbook on mathematics, chapter one deals with the value of numbers and addition and subtraction. 
If you'll read it, study it, ask questions when you need to, you'll learn how to add and subtract, and sure enough, he does. And then I say, now, based on what you've learned in chapter 1, you can go to chapter 2 and learn how to multiply and divide, and he does that. And then we take him to chapter 3, and there he learns fractions and decimals. We gradually prepare his mind chapter by chapter by chapter. Then when he gets to chapter 5, he could learn how to do algebra problems. Probably one of the greatest mistakes being made in AA today. Newcomer comes to the door, we hand him a copy of the big book, we say go to chapter 5 and do what it says and you'll be okay. And they go to chapter 5 and the first thing they run into is a bunch of algebra problems. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Step 1 said we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, our lives have become unmanageable. Newcomer says I'm not powerless over anything. They have no idea what we mean by that statement. Step two says, came to believe that a power greater than ourself can restore us to sanity. The newcomer said, don't tell me I'm crazy. Yeah, I do stupid things when I'm drunk, but when I'm sober, I'm like other people. He has no idea what we mean by that statement. Well, if you're not powerless and you're not nuts, then you don't need to be trying to turn your will and your life over to the care of something you don't understand in the first place. We present them with an impossible thing to do. If we can show nothing else all weekend, I hope we can show the value of the doctor's opinion in the first four chapters, where they fit into this thing in standard textbook sequence to teach us, give us the information we need to be able to see where we're powerless and why, to be able to see the need for and how to find the power greater than we are, give us those things necessary to be able to work the program in chapter five. See, chapter five really starts with step three. And you can't hardly start with three unless you got one and two. Hopefully we can see that this weekend, if nothing else, all weekend. The other thing that's so important, as Joe just said, it doesn't make any difference whether I'm reading a first edition, second edition in 1955, third edition in 1976, the recovery program has remained exactly the same. The second great miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous. God, you know how we are. We love to change things. And everybody that's ever read this book has rewritten it at least once in their mind. <laughs> Collectively, though, we've never found it necessary to change the recovery program. Why? Because it works just as good today as it did in 1939 when it first came out. Why? Because alcoholics don't change. They're doing the same thing they did today and they did in 1939. They're getting drunk. They're getting in hospitals, jailhouses, divorce courts, car wrecks, knife fights, and everything else. Alcoholics don't change. Alcohol hasn't changed. It's exactly the same as it used to be. The containers are different. The names are different. The colors are prettier. But it's still just what it used to be. And human nature doesn't change. It hasn't changed in thousands of years. So if alcoholics don't change, alcohol hasn't changed, human nature doesn't change, then why change the program? It's just as effective today as it was in 1939. Let's go to the forward to the first edition for just a moment. I love this forward to the first edition. Lots of information in this first paragraph. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. Two ideas first. We're more than 100 men and women. Usually when I read a book, it's authored by one person. 
When I read a book authored by one person, if I find something in there I don't agree with, with my keen intellectual alcoholic mind, I usually say, who in the hell are they to think I'm, they're smarter than I am? And I just ignore it. But if I do it with a big book, I'm not going to be arguing with one. I'm going to be arguing with 100. They started out with 40 and 37 when they decided to write the book. By 1939, it had increased to 100. And I must remember today, if I'm arguing with a book, I'm arguing with 100 men and women, not just one. Also, I'm arguing with 100 men and women who have recovered from the same thing that's killing me, a hopeless state of mind and body. Another word that we need to discuss, recovered. God, I hear people argue about this all the time. Can you recover or can you not? Well, by God, I hope we can recover. If we can't, we're in bad, bad shape. We're not cured of alcoholism. We will always be physically allergic to alcohol, but we have recovered from a hopeless condition of the mind and of the body. Before I came to AA, I couldn't drink and I couldn't stay sober. I don't exist in that condition anymore. I've recovered from that. And you're going to see the book talking about recovery all the way through the book over and over and over. Joe? It says to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And throughout this book, you'll see words such as precisely, specifically, exactly, with clear-cut directions. This is not a book on just about how to recover from alcoholism. This is a book to tell you precisely, exactly, with clear-cut directions on how to recover from alcoholism. And if I want to recover from alcoholism, the thing that was killing me when I got here, I need to do precisely and exactly with clear-cut directions what they did, or I might not recover. We've both been around AA long enough to know and fully understand that you can't make anybody do anything in AA that they don't want to do. The only requirement for membership in Alcoholics Anonymous is a desire to stop drinking. You can come to an AA meeting and you can say, I don't like you people at all. Vomit when I look at your 12 steps. And I can just barely stand your lousy old coffee. But I'm going to be a member of AA because I've got a desire to stop drinking. And nobody can say a thing about that. You don't even have to be sober to be a member of AA. It helps if you are. But you really don't have to be to be a member. But that deals with membership and the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's not what our book deals with. Our book deals with one thing and one thing only, recovery from a hopeless condition of the mind and the body known as alcoholism. And the purpose of this book is to show other alcoholics precisely how the first 100 recovered. Now those of us that wish to follow that procedure precisely as they did should be able to expect to receive the same thing they got, recovery from a hopeless condition of the mind and of the body, precisely. You know, it's kind of like making cake. If I go to a potluck meeting, you've made a strawberry cake, which happens to be my favorite. I bite into it, and oh, it's just right. The texture's right, the moisture's right, the taste is right. I'll probably say, who made this cake? You'll probably say, I did. I'll say, would you tell me how? And you say, yeah. And you'll sit down, and you'll write out for me a set of directions on how to make that cake. You'll tell me the ingredients to put in, the quantity of the ingredients to put in it, the sequence in which to mix them together, the temperature at which to bake it, and how long to bake it. 
Now, if I take your directions in my kitchen and I follow them exactly as you did, or as you said, when that thing comes out of the oven and cools off and I bite into it, I believe I could expect it to taste exactly like your cake tasted. But if I take your directions in my kitchen and my keen intellectual alcoholic mind starts working, and it said, well, I don't believe there ought to be three eggs. It ought to have four. Instead of a cup and a half of sugar, we ought to put three cups. Instead of baking it at 375, we'll bake it at 450. Instead of baking it for 18 minutes, we'll bake it for 45. When it comes out of the oven and cools off and I bite into it, well, sure, I'm biting into a piece of cake. But I wonder how closely it would resemble your cake, which was my reason for making it in the first place. Precise, specific, clear-cut set of directions on how to recover from alcoholism. For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. Now, when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, I stood in the back of the room with my head down, looking at the floor for about two years. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. I was convinced that I was a no-good rotten SOB, and I'd done so many things that I was ashamed to look anybody in the eye, and I thought I was here trying to get good. I didn't realize I was here trying to get well. And I can remember way back, when I was about 21, 22 years old, I'd gotten into a lot of trouble. I was married to this gal. By the way, I've been married to two women seven times. I've had lots of trouble. Would you say that again? <laughs> two, <laughs> two women, seven times. Yeah. This last one says it's only twice, but I divorced her one time and it wasn't even my turn. <laughs> it does get kind of hard to argue with a hundred people's versus one. So it is nice to know that it wasn't just Bill and Bill alone that wrote the big book. He actually had help. He did revisions. He'd send them over. They'd say no or yes. And I'm sure there were plenty of hard arguments in that growth process. But through it and with it, out came our big book. Also, I did misspeak a couple of weeks ago, and I think the first episode I said cured of alcohol. Uh, I was corrected this evening in this episode. We are never cured of this disease. We can have recovery from the obsession, but I will always carry the physical disease, the physical illness of alcoholism. I think it's also important to note something very interesting that was said is that you should recover. Someone who follows our program, reads our book, comes to meetings, gets a sponsor, does the steps, should recover if they are able. There are those, there are those unfortunates who cannot or will not get this program. I don't know why. It's not my job to try and decide why or who but you do not walk into a meeting and get a tag that says, Hi, my name is, and I will or will not succeed. If you give it an effort, if you try, if you put forth your best foot, then hopefully you will have the same psychic change that I experienced. At least some transformation from who you were to who you want to be. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, 
This is the Big Book Living Alive, Joe and Charlie podcast.